You're listening to More Than This, the podcast where Christian faith and reason explore reasons for Christian faith. Life's not a sequence program from the sky. Life's a story woven up, down, in and out, like stitches in If you enjoy our show, please consider supporting us for as little as $1 a month on Patreon. Check out our site at www.patreon.com forward slash more than this pod. Thank you. Well. Well. Should I start? Should I start it up here, Brooke? (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) Uh, So I already did. Uh, This is a more than this episode. Very special. Uh, Trying to say this not tongue in cheek, but special uh, COVID-19 edition. I guess. So it's kind of prompted the topic for today. Uh, I'm excited. I have uh, our good friend, dear friend, and former roommate Brooke Christensen back with us. You may remember her from the missions episode. Hi, Brooke. Hi, David. Now, Brooke, we are uh, we're doing really good with our social distancing these days. Yes. And I am so tired of saying social distancing. Are you? I've tried to start saying physical distancing. Oh, and uh, this is a page out of Dr. Amy Acton's is, book, right? Was that Dr. Amy Acton that coined that? I, I don't yeah. know, but she popularized it. Yes. So, Physical if any. Physical distancing. So, we're a proper six feet apart. Yes. This we, big old dining room table. We are. So, we we have we have gone with the luxury of being in person, uh, yes. which Brooke and I uh, greeted each other outside of my house. And I was just like, this feels so cool. I feel like, you know, like when you had a friend sleep over Brooke when growing up and just the excitement, yes. like, like it just was like this, the most special time. Like anytime you see somebody in person now is like the most special know, time, isn't I it? I feel giddy inside seeing you. <laughs> I know. I was like, you look disappointed when Kara wasn't at the door as well. Like, but we'll get to see Kara afterwards. One stage at a time, just, you know can't open all the presents at once Brooke you know sounds good (laughs) (laughs) kind of pace ourselves here um Uh. so we're about so for those of you who don't know Dr. Amy Acton is now sort of a star in Ohio where Brooke and I live Mm -hmm. uh she is the head of the Department of Health and she and Governor Mike DeWine have been sort of leading the charge on our coronavirus response and they do pretty much daily press conferences and is uh, there's two hashtags going around, Brooke. I don't know if you know this. Uh, wine with DeWine and, oh. and snacking with Acton. So people make sort of a That's game good. where they'll pour themselves a glass of wine and uh, grab a snack and they tune in at two o'clock every day. That's this, great. This is where our, our lives are right now in the state of Ohio and the state of the world. That w- This is what we do. That's we, really cool. We make our governor's health updates a drinking game. So... <laughs> Public health. <laughs> and I also read a couple international articles about Governor DeWine. So it's becoming a bit well known that we have a special a special leader here. We do. He's been a, he's been really uh we're really grateful, uh, regardless of sort of political ilk or preference. I think I think pretty much across the aisle people will say he's done a really good job. Yeah. He's been kind of like in an in an era where uh, leadership has sort of uh, felt really strained and weak. Uh, he's been decisive. He's been kind. He's really thought about yes. uh, important values. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, th- I think it's just been pretty cool to see uh, our governor's response. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this so, would be another episode probably, but I would love to look at leadership 
through his example. Because I think just in a month, it's been striking. There's a few really beautiful lessons that people can steal from the way that Governor DeWine has led. But that's not what we're talking about today. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not, not what we're talking about today, I guess. But I, I think... True. I think uh, Brooke, you know, Brooke and I and Kara have had op- opportunity to talk uh, and go on a walk or two over the course of our, I don't know, stay, stay in, was it stay in place shelter order, in place. shelter in place, stay at mm-hmm. home, shelter in place, whatever it's called, whatever our Ohio variant is where we're not supposed to really go anywhere. Um, we've, you know, we've had a, a, a couple talks about, you know, trying to find some of the positives in the midst of this, but um you know, there, Brooke, there's been a lot of things that, um, you know, it's, it's, I find it hard. I don't know if I can explain this well. I tried to explain mm-hmm. this. Uh, we, we all go to a little small group Bible study together mm-hmm. and we're doing it, of course, by Zoom meeting now. Yeah. And I tried to explain this the other week. Uh, it's hard to, when the frame of reference around you is so much sickness and death, mm-hmm. um, some of the some of the losses we feel feel really small in comparison. Yeah. And it's harder to know how to feel them, right? Because it's mm. like you can't be like, "Oh my gosh, just I'm really sad that I'm missing out on seeing my friends or I'm really sad that I don't get to do this thing for with my family or whatever." Yeah. And it's like instantly my mind kind of goes to, "Oh, but people are dying. We're so lucky." You know, right. like that we we have our health and we and we still can pay our bills mostly and and you kind of discredit those mm-hmm. senses of loss. Is that mm-hmm. have you felt it, that internal struggle at all? Yeah, I have. It just puts you in a weird place. Mm-hmm. But I think Brooke, you you were really good at uh, right away processing things as loss. And not apologizing for those, even though mm-hmm. you have your health and your family, I think, has their health. Um, coronavirus and, and this pandemic has have really taken some things away from you, yeah, and 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 all of us hmm. that feel that we're, we were very much looking forward to are and very meaningful, yeah. Um, and I think that in the in the struggle to survive, sometimes those things kind of get swept under the rug. And we we may not notice them, or we're just too distracted to process them. Hmm. But I think they can, they kind of keep bumping up against us too. Mm-hmm. And I, you were like I said, you were one of the first people to really put a name to that as sort hmm. of loss. And and you, I think you may have even talked about lament, hmm. uh, the sort of this uh, idea that has sort of traveled Christian circles for a long time. Uh, in our scriptures, Brooke, we have right the the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Uh, which are, are you know ancient written songs, and a lot of them are, are called psalms of lament. Mm-hmm. So this has kind of been in the, the Christian and Jewish tradition since yeah. you know kind of our, our foundation um, that we have this sort of like recognized discipline or mm-hmm. recourse mm-hmm. in the face of loss. Mm-hmm. Um, Brooke, I, I, yeah, go ahead. And- I think it's interesting that you mentioned that because we have that in our tradition as as followers of of Christ, uh, people of faith. But I don't think I'll speak for myself. I'm not very good at reaching for them, and I think part of that, David, has to do with our culture. 
yeah. American culture. We are uh, a culture of optimism. We're a culture of look on the bright side. I mean, we could come up with a million of our little cultural sayings re- regarding that. And we are not good at giving space for lament. No, I, I, I always, I go back to this example, even when somebody, di- even when somebody dies now, it's very popular to have what's called a celebration of life. Right, we don't have like a true wake or a funeral. Like we don't really mourn. Yeah, we, you know, like oh no, let's just talk about the happy times. Let's talk about you know good memories. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but it's kind of imbalanced, right? Mm -hmm. And if there is something that our soul and our psyche and our mind and our body need to process, and we're we don't have a, a a lane to sort of get in on the highway of life to do that then, yeah, like we're just kind of going along blind to a lot of this reality, I think. And I think something like coronavirus has started to bring some of these things to the surface en masse, right? Like Mm -hmm. as a society, uh, everybody is feeling some sense of loss right now. But I still do feel that pressure um, of go to the bright side. Yeah. You know, like I think it's been interesting – um, I've actually seen articles to like that say like it's okay to just kind of survive because hmm. you know there nobody's like yoloing and living your best life yeah. and um, yeah. actually I saw something quite beautiful today um, hmm. I don't I don't know I saw a friend of mine posted a picture of herself without makeup and um, I did not recognize her. I will say, wow, um, she is an esthetician and she does skincare for a living and is very good at it. And as long as I've known her, she is always it looks flawless, and I just never thought twice about it. But she just—it was kind of like, oh, this is what Corona has kind of done to us. Hmm. It's brought us to this place where it just is like it kind of unmasks certain vulnerabilities and things. Interesting. So I don't know. And ha- I mean, how was that for you as a friend to see that picture? Well, I had to read, I had to read the caption. It was on Facebook and I didn't, I didn't know it was her. I was like, Oh, who is this person that she's posted a picture of? Uh, it's not someone I see very often, but yeah. um, uh, just for some reason it really touched me. It really hmm. struck me. Beautiful. And, um, but I, I will go back to my the point of actually why Brooke and I are talking today was uh, that Brooke, you know, I know that there have been a lot of things that you were looking forward to, mm. uh, and I think in things that that either in micro or sort of more macro ways, um, you really put your finger on it that you processed them as a loss, mm. and I'm wondering if if you know we don't need to. I don't want to be a total downer and just sort of like, you know, list every last thing that we could list as a loss and put a microscope on it. But there are some things that I think just really jumped to the surface for you. You didn't have to look for it. They were just there and you were feeling the loss of them, right? Yeah, and I was, absolutely. I was wondering, you know, just I think our audience will really resonate with that. And I, would you mind just talking about some of those things that how Corona felt, maybe some things that maybe you feel like it's sort of taken away? from hmm. from you. Hmm. Yeah, I think also it took me maybe even a couple weeks, David. I've I've felt quite slow in this process <laughs> of realizing like what I'm feeling actually is is loss and is is grief. Um hmm. and I think 
for me, it was very um, compounded. Is that the right word? Like it came really fast in one sense because I I moved back to Ohio about a year ago uh, from a different country. And this year has been a year of transition. And I feel like my I have this small little plant of a life that he new life that has been slowly growing over the last months and it's like oh okay i'm slowly starting to cultivate something and oh i think that person is a a friend and i think that one's maybe a new friend and this small little cultivation of something new here and i also had a, a a trip planned to go visit uh, friends back in that country and to go see my brother in a different country. And then in a matter of, I think it was literally a course of three days. When it, it was a lot it, of these. It, it was rapid. Cause I remember getting rapid. texts or something from you and just so much and, and just such a short amount of time. Yeah. And then it just all left. It all dropped off the calendar and, uh, and I was left feeling like, okay, and and not even able to. How do you say? I'm 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 an eternal optimist, David. You know, you know are. that about yeah, me. You, you are, and, and I'm always ready. Okay, let's make a new plan. And no one can plan right now. And I love to plan. I love to look forward to things. Yes. And I had been looking forward to these trips, looking forward. I had made myself stay in the country for a year and said, okay, Brooke, you have to wait till the spring. The spring was here. I was ready and I couldn't go. Um, yeah. But I'm also at the same, I don't know if you want to talk about this yet, but at, on, on the other hand, I also can't give room Yes. To actually feel sad because, you know, I'm like everybody now, I'm reading too, too much news yeah. and I know that things are much more dire in other parts of the world and other parts of our community I and mean, of yeah. other parts of our community. And you have displaced people in Greece uh, living in small tents without roofs and no soap. And I feel like, how can I be sad that my trip got canceled um yeah and but i think what what i have sort of slowly stumbled upon over the last couple weeks now is this that there isn't a finite amount of compassion that i'm allowed and i dole it out in small bits until it's gone yes but actually, it's I'm not allowed. Like to- it's not like toilet paper these days. <laughs> no, but I'm allowed to feel sad and feel compassion for the situation I'm in, and at the same time, feel sad and feel compassion for others. It's not either or. And I often sit in a black and white place, like, Brooke, you can't be sad. Get over yourself. Come on. Look on the bright side. Look at what you have. And I don't know, maybe for other people, that's helpful. But for me, it sort of grounds me in this rut, uh, and it's it, it's not helpful. Yeah, it, how you do know, you, how do you experience that? Yeah, I think part of it, part of the uh, I have, one of the things I I know about myself is that um, I really dislike complaining hmm. uh, and uh, ingratitude. Yeah. Like I don't have I'm not a parent. 
uh, and uh, we hope to adopt a child at some point in the not too distant future. But I already know one thing that drives me up a wall with other people's kids is ingratitude. Hmm. And Kara, uh, I know we're ungrateful to each other in so many ways, but we try to say thank you and express gratitude as much as we can for even small things. Uh, but part of that is born out of my deficit of you know really having this sort of like hair trigger of recognizing and gratitude. Hmm. Of course, I don't always recognize it fully in myself. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know. A lot of times we're blind in the areas that we sort of look for the most in others. It's right. called, you know, it's projection, right? Exactly. Those so, are little pet peeves. <laughs> so, so I think that what, and maybe this has become this kind of category, this stamp that I put on things. So when I, um, I love what you said about losing the ability to plan. And what is, what is planning but having a sense of control, Right. Ding, right. ding, ding, ding. Ding, 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 ding. Exactly. We, we like control. Yes. And I love it. I am like, yeah, I, lo- I love it. And I don't mean in sort of like make people, you know, say certain things or listen to certain things or express certain views, but just that I can put something on the calendar, I can lay something in place and it will happen. Mm-hmm. And that's gone largely now in ways that were profound and unimaginable. Hmm that there would be some sort of force in the world that we as Americans would have to kowtow to. Uh, and I say Americans not because I'm bigging us up, but that's just, we're all about individual liberty. Mm-hmm. So, but to your point, the way I've experienced this is I, uh, my first thing that comes up for me when I feel sad about something that I've lost is that I will instantly chide myself and say, mm. <clears throat> don't be ungrateful. Don't be ungrateful. You have so much to be thankful for. Yeah, yeah. And I'm realizing that uh, something, it's its specious. It's a, a specious thing. So it, it's, it has the ring of truth because mm-hmm. I do have lots of things to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean at the same time that a sense of overwhelm is is, inappropri- is inappropriate. Mm-hmm. I think when somebody is sort of being histrionic or not reacting well to something emotionally, mm-hmm. It's something. It's sometimes it's it's out of balance or it's disproportionate to the situation they're in. Hmm. I think we are all collectively in such a situation that, uh, short of just breaking down and not being able to move and being incapacitated, uh, which is isn't helpful. But I think being overwhelmed is kind of appropriate and kind of you can't live there, but just. Honoring those feelings and saying, like, no, this actually this actually makes sense to feel yeah. overwhelmed. Yeah. Like, it, it makes sense to feel overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I one of the things I, I will tell people left and right is I do not believe that, you know, I, we, it's one of my famous refrains, Brooke. I, I always tell people what, what we can do doesn't mean something we should do, right? Mm-hmm. You can get news updates pinging your phone. 24-7. You can watch the 24-hour news cycle yeah. with people who are, you know, trying to profiteer and gain clicks from advertisements and sensational mm-hmm. headlines. But I don't think the human soul is meant to bear up under a 24-hour news cycle. Hmm. I think that um, there is something we can do, but I don't think it's something we should do. Um, so I've, I've been trying to limit not out of naivete or putting my head in the ground mm-hmm. like an ostrich, but I, I've tried not to read the news all the time. Mm-hmm. I know roughly what's going on. I know it's bad. Um, but, and I'm, I'm trying to live, like you said, with those losses that, 
you know, you could chide yourself and call them either ingratitude or first world problems like, mm-hmm. oh, poor Brooke didn't get to take her trip. Like, but there's so much meaning and, and relationship and love attached to those yeah. things too. Yeah. Um, that it is still, even though you can still be grateful on one hand for the blessings you have and, and, and your health and uh, relationships and things that we have in our lives that we still get to enjoy during this bizarre time. I really hope our, for me and and for the people that are listening to us can really tease out that it is okay to -hmm. feel a sense of loss about those things. And you pretty much just better get with the program. That's what your body and brain are already doing. (laughs) You know, like at some deeper level, you know, you can get into your higher order thinking and sort of judge things and get in your head about it. But I think we're living in a time where you have to feel sort of opposite extreme things. It's just more emotional work, right? Mm, Like, don't you, don't you find that where it's like, I do struggle. I do really try to be grateful and stay positive, but this is sad. It's sad. It's really sad. A pandemic. And we're using that word every day now. Who would have thought that? I I also think, David, by being honest with how we're really doing, it also allows people to love us and people to come close. Like even the fact that you you remembered, oh, Brooke, you were honest with Kara and I that you have experienced loss. Like you remembered that (laughs) and you wanted to ask me more about that. Like you, I allowed you to come close. And I think in our, in in our day right now where we can't literally come close to people. It's true. Physically, by being honest with how we're really doing, it's still a way to come close to people um, and to experience this together because so much we can experience together right now. But the emotions, we can try at least to share them a little bit. That's really, tr- that's really well put. It is a way of drawing close. I wouldn't have put it that way, but it's true. You know, I just heard, um, I don't know, the book may be rubbish, but I was listening to NPR and they were, you know how sometimes they'll interview an author that has a book coming out and mm-hmm. they ask him about their book. It's kind of like, just sort of like a softball little interview. <laughs> and um, apparently the book is about uh, a time where there's severe famine. Okay. So people are are you know dying and having a hard life because there's a f- severe famine in the land, mm. and the interviewer said to this author, like, how does it does it feel appropriate to be putting a book out in the middle of a pandemic mm. where people are literally dying? That's about people dying and yeah. going through, even though it's not a pandemic, and. I'm trying to remember, but she basically got to this point and she said, oh, I think absolutely that's the case. She said, like, I I think that, you know, putting hard realities out in the middle of hard realities actually gives us a space to enter into and feel the things we're feeling. Hmm. Um, And it's kind of like when people go to the ends of the earth not to talk about something because they're afraid. You ever have somebody, you know, maybe somebody has cancer or has yeah. a diagnosis. And have you ever been around someone who's like, oh no, that's that's so negative. Don't talk about their cancer. Don't talk about their yeah. diagnosis. We don't yeah. want to remind them of those things. Mm-hmm. And I think the author's point, and I think what I hear you saying is like, no, we we have to kind of remind each other of these things. Mm-hmm. I, I will say, 
I think it's gone through my head a million and one times now. I'm like, I just wish I had a conversation where we didn't talk about coronavirus. Yeah. But then it's impossible. Yeah. And not because we're all being negative. It's just no one knows what to do. And the only way that you feel like you have been heard and seen is to talk about this thing that we all barely have language for, mm-hmm. much less understanding of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think that's right. So all that being said, I'm I'm not watching documentaries about like sex trafficking or like, you know, really sad things or, you know, mass farming and, you know, genetically modified foods or anything like that. I'm trying to stay more positive in terms of what I take in. But when I talk to people, um, we're not making light. We're not, we're just all, I mean, Brooke, we've had, we've had these conversations. Mm -hmm. It's a staple. We're not getting into, we're not talking about politics in the same way. We're not debating candidates. Like, yeah, we've forgotten all of that. Forgotten all of that. I Mm -hmm. I sometimes forget that there's, this is an election season. I mean, it's always an election season at CUS. We always are having elections. It's what we do, but this is a big one, right? It's usually the most rancorous. And, um, I guess maybe kind of take the good with the bad. Um, Hmm. but you know, one of the, it's, it's funny the things that have been taken from me, I guess I'll just talk a little bit about, um, the first thing, much like you, uh, I had um, two months of professional, you know, travel uh, set up. I had uh, five weeks of training. I'm a, a trainer uh, and a consultant, and two things you instantly couldn't do was gathering groups and yeah. travel, and that's yeah. that's my job. And there went your job. And there went my job, mm. and I found myself scrambling mm. because I don't know again to the. There's nobody saying, oh, well, May 13th, this is when I'll travel. We don't know yet. No. We're recording this in, in on April 7th, and we don't know. We know no. we're, we're to be in, in our homes largely until the end of April at this point, but that was supposed to be up already. So, you know, who knows where, what will come Um and that was pretty scary. I mean, like not not just financially, but it's kind of my identity. It's kind of what I do. Mm. And suddenly, you know, I found myself working at a hardware store. And I was, you know, I'm like, I'm working at a hardware store. I'm working at a bike shop. I'm working. I'm working these retail jobs that are that are open and considered essential businesses during this pandemic. And I'm, I'm trying to do some consulting, and I'm doing some counseling, and I'm just like. I'm in this sort of like grinding mode, you know, mm-hmm. where I'm just kind of like, because, you know, I'm like, well, probably a lot of people will feel this way. Like we're okay financially net for now, for now, but yeah. it's like, I don't want to wait and have this thing drag out and find out that we're not, Yeah, you know? Um, Cause I just don't know, you know, and that's been an interesting thing with faith as well. Um, which is another, are you ready to go there? Sure. I don't know. <laughs> Take us there, David. So, so Brooke and I, <laughs> this is where the lament thing kind of came in. Because hmm. Brooke and I, I think I think it was a Times, uh, Time magazine article, which is now probably just online. I don't know. But uh, the theologian, the British theologian N.T. Wright, uh, wrote this great piece um, kind of, you know, uh, in that Enlightenment model and that Western mindset, you know, everything is sort of like has cause and effect. You know, like, so 
did God cause coronavirus? Where is God in coronavirus? Hmm. And all of these things. And what is the Christian response from the Christian perspective? What is the Christian response to the coronavirus in terms of our kind of theology, you mm-hmm. know, the nuts and bolts of it? And it was just so comforting to basically say, we don't have an answer for that. Hmm. Like, that's not biblical to have to come up with an answer, like a, a sort of like a neat and tidy theological we know that God is doing this because, because X or Y, yeah. and this is what's causing it. And, and this is the greater meaning, or this is what God's going to do through it. Yeah, or, or yeah, yeah, or the consequence of like what God will do through it. And he's like, no, there's, there's no such thing. It's actually thoroughly unchristian to even offer mm-hmm. such explanations. Mm-hmm. And, I think that, stu- that struck both of us. If I'm not, mm-hmm. if I if I understood correctly, did, did that stand yeah. out to you, you? You read the article that stood out to you as well, right? Yeah, and if I remember correctly, he said yes, it's unchristian. That's not what our faith leads us to. And second, the only response that our faith does offer is one of lament. Yes, one of, one of uh, is that how we put it? Yeah, mm-hmm. and he said that was Grief that was sort of like something. what the Christian. What, what the Christian tradition really had to offer during this time was, was that of lament. Hmm. And I think more of that image of um, not God as sort of like cosmic author of things and sort of like, you know, that a lot of Christian strains really look at that idea of sovereignty. So it gets you in a lot of trouble with the problem of evil in the world, right? right. Like <clears throat> where does evil come from if God can control everything and sort of does everything and everything passes through his desk? If you mm-hmm. want to say in the mm-hmm. corporate setting, like everything you know gets run up the flagpole and God sort of like rubber stamps it or yays or mm-hmm. nays it, um, which I, I think is not a, a, a very biblical view of, of things uh, on the whole. Uh, but I thought that was really good in terms of like thinking, yes. And it is a way of drawing near. It's a way of drawing near to what's going on inside of us. Uh, it's a way of drawing near to an idea. How do I say this? Like it's it's uh, faith should have some disappointment in it as well. Like when you you're a person of, of of faith, you hope, you pray, and things don't always go the way that you're hoping and praying they will. Hmm. But lament sort of takes seriously. It's not cynical. Right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's not self protective. And I think that's one of the things that's hardest during this time. I want to just control what I can control because it's so hard. Mm-hmm. And I want to basically say, I'm going to make just expect the worst. Yeah. Because that, that brings you a sense of control. Because if, if everything's mm-hmm. the worst it can possibly be, nothing can surprise you. Mm-hmm. And that's a perverse well, way that's... of controlling yeah. things. Yeah. But lament doesn't do that. Lament stands in the place and says, no, I'm actually hurting because of this. Mm. Like, I, I, I feel pain. I feel loss. I feel bothered. I feel like the floor is dropping out, dropped out of my life. Mm. And um, I don't know where to go, but I'm just going to stand here and acknowledge that mm. and hope that the comfort of, of Christ draws near. Yeah. You know, and I think it basically it's, it's, it's opposite of the stiff upper lip. Hmm. You know, just like keep going, keep your chin out, keep going. It isn't going into abject misery though, hmm. and just becoming dysfunctional and not, you know, no longer functioning as a person, but just calling things for what they are. Hmm. Maybe I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know, Brooke. What, mm-hmm. what, what, what do you think of? 
Or how has that spoken to you over these last few weeks? When you think about lament, what shape has that taken for you? What does that look Hmm. like? I think one thing that's been helpful to realize is, again, the season we're in, which is Lent. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Lent. Yeah, I was going to say you know, Corona. And you're like, well, no, the, the actual the season big, of the, the Christian church, calendar. The yeah. church calendar, exactly. The season of Lent, which is a season of lament, of inner reflection, of what are the other words we use to talk about it? Um of somber. I mean, the colors on the altar change if you're in that kind of church. And I I love that. Uh, And uh, that sort of um, slower rhythm, that there is a more somber uh, aspect to this season. So in the church calendar, we have that as well. Um, And then it really finds its climax, of course, on Good Friday, which is for us three, three or four days from now. Yeah. in the desperation, the sadness, the lament, the 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 place of the cross. So, yeah, I I I agree. I think lament is very. Um, it, it doesn't feel strong, and I like being strong. Right. If I'm honest with you, but it's actually much more vulnerable. Yeah. And, I think it's the place we should get comfortable for a while in this season. It, it is. And I think one of the things that lament beckons us to do is it gives us space to talk about why it's not comfortable to Hmm. lament. Hmm. It, it is a, it is a gentle inquisitor, I guess. I always think of that, you know, like it's, I'm mixing my sort of spiritual metaphors here, but the idea the the scripture, it says, you know, Jesus stands at the door and knocks. Hmm. Um, doesn't lament doesn't barge in, but it is it does sort of ask for for entrance into things and will shine a light, you know, like on where did this comfort comes from losing control? Because you can go to anger, right? Lament sort of like gets to the underlying emotion and deals with the sort of what's in the basement, yeah. you know? Yeah. Because you can you can get angry, you can get defensive, you can you can really destroy yourself into your work and trying to survive and not lose anything, you know, Hmm. like I think that's, it can be a temptation for me. Like I don't want to lose anything during this time. Hmm. Well, you know, I want to stay fit. I can't go to the gym. I want to make sure our savings just don't get decimated. Hmm. I want to make sure, you know, you know, whatever it might be for people listening, maybe their retirement, they want to make sure their retirement's okay. And they want to do it all right now. Hmm. Now's not the time. Lament says, no, no, there's different realities to deal with. And, there can be good that comes out of lament hmm. just just for its own sake. It's not instrumental. All, everything we do, once it's, we want it to be instrumental and somehow show up in one of our cherished goals. Right. And lament is not that. Or it, or it sort of makes you question goals in the process. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't have to think about, I think we're not supposed to think about the finish line right now. but. Uh, to sit in this space right now, wherever that is on the race. I picked the wrong metaphor. I don't, I don't want to speak about a race, but you, you get the idea. Just wherever we are sitting right now to sit in this space and not to think about, okay, what am I going to have learned by this point? What, 
I don't know. I actually kind of wish I could be that person that is asking, like, who do I want to be at the end of this pandemic? Who do I want? And I'm not saying those aren't bad questions that some people are asking and reflecting on. Um, I just can't ask them yet. I'm just really sad and really... I, to be honest with you, don't even quite know completely what I'm feeling. I'm still uncovering it. It's... I think this is, uh, you know, as much as we've talked about the things that are sad and are, and we've sort of underscored that you can be grateful and have perspective on the blessings that you have and the good fortune you have and the provision you have and still be sad and process some things as loss, even if they're not nearly the losses that other people have had. Hmm. And that's a place for us all to lament and recognize. I think that um, not to sound cliche, but I think this this pandemic and this time has given us probably some things as well. Now we may not we may not heretofore in sort of normal time hmm. seeing them as gifts, right? We may have spurned them or said they were weak or undesirable. Um, but I think of a lot of people I see, and I get why they're doing it, but they're trying to still sell sort of pre. COVID-19 conceptions of self-improvement. Like, mm. like, okay, this is time you have where you can really work on yourself mm. and, you know, fire up the same sort of ambitions, the same sort of strategies, the same sort of goals. And I think what this has done is really, uh, if, we're, if we listen to it and we're still, it's more of an invitation to become more fully human, mm. not to become a specific sort of human that we idealize. Um, it's there. I think the invitation's there. And I, cause I, you hear it in, in, so Brooke, you know, you used to live here and you know where we live. We live across from a, a small body of Ohio water. It's probably pitiful. And, you know, in terms of the world's great waterways and it's lovely, <laughs> but there's a, there's a bridge that goes across it mm. where people like, in nice weather, they'll go walk across it. It has been packed, hmm. like like a shopping center at Christmas. There's people always waiting in the parking lot for a space just to go walk. And I've talked to so many people, ourselves included, that it's just like, what a glorious thing to walk! Hmm. Like we're noticing colors we haven't noticed before. Yeah, you know, and it's like it's not an exceptional spring, probably, but it just. We're not yeah. paying attention to so many other things that we normally would preoccupy ourselves with. And I'm like, oh, I really like going for a walk. Like, I like food more. You know, like, we don't eat out nearly as much. We were able to get takeout sometimes, but Karen's been cooking, and she's a great cook. But she's always a great cook, but it's just like the sheer act of eating together, I feel lucky. Hmm. You know, and Beautiful. it's it kind of sacralizes or makes sacred things that – we we would or maybe not say we're profane, but we're just sort of humdrum or, or expected, hmm. right? We maybe had an ex- expectation of life that it would hold certain things, and the expectation always devalues things, hmm. right? Yeah, it devalues it because it's not, then it's not a gift; it's an entitlement. Hmm. And I think that 
one of the things that I've, I've, it's all, I've almost felt sad for people who are online trying to sell their consulting business and, you know, personal growth and grow and this is a time to work on yourself and maximize. And I'm like, I get that you're trying to make money and you're probably afraid of losing money. Yeah. But to me, this is like the time where we don't have to do that. And I've actually seen a fair amount of people, like I said earlier, just say, it's okay to not be like living your best life right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And I think that probably feels really good to a lot of people who were, were sort of drowning yeah. behind just not being able to keep up with their ideals, hmm. you know, before. Because ideals are shot. Ideals have to do with control, too. It's like, our, it's like my, my sweet friend that, that was brave enough to show a picture without makeup. Hmm. She said, all, so you know, three cool. people in her life had seen her without makeup outside of her family, you know. And I think we're all been... We're all been seeing ourselves without makeup these yeah, days. Yeah. Yeah, we are. And I think another, I mean, it's related to the lament uh, thing, but I think another gift has been this collective experience of, of grief. I think um, I hear so many people and read articles and that this word is being used so much more. Um, or at least being used as an expression of what people are feeling and what people are processing on a collective level and on an individual level. And I find that really interesting. And I think that's actually probably really good. I think so too. You're a counselor. I think so too. (laughs) No, I think, I think it is good. No, I think there's a lot of, uh, I don't want to just put rose colored glasses. I think there a lot of people are struggling with mental health right now. Um, It's hard to be out of control. And I think, I thank God for my faith and my perspective where I don't have like tons of answers, but I do have some sort of a a place to rest. I don't know. uh, I don't know. We're we're throwing, this is what we do. We throw metaphors around like crazy, but I think sometimes I will go to a place that feels uh, sacred or special to me where I feel God's presence. Sometimes that's a church. But oftentimes, the most powerful times are when nobody's preaching a sermon or nobody's singing worship. It's just having a place to go. So when I went to University of Notre Dame, Brooke, I don't know if you knew this, but I, uh, the grotto there where you, you go pray, they have a beautiful grotto mm-hmm. there where you light candles. It's, it's, it's embedded in, it's just embedded in a rock face. Uh, and it's usually kept for silent prayer. You can light candles and pray. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I just, just the, the the sheer ritual of going there does something for me, like just showing up in a space. And I feel like that's what my faith has been. Uh, it's given me kind of a sanctuary or a place to go, uh, not to get answers, but just to feel, I don't even know if safe is right, but maybe safe, but hmm. may, maybe just sort of like, some familiarity and a place that feels like something could, something good is happening and someone good is there. Hmm. Uh, and I, I've been really grateful for that. And I think that's been laid bare. I don't have answers, but I feel like my faith has been sort of like the grotto for me. Like, uh, I don't know. It, 
I don't really have a follow-up on that, Brooke. I don't know if that <laughs> triggered anything for you or not, but I'm just like <laughs> thinking, you know, like a, not even that idea of just making everything good, but just, you know, that Corona has taken a lot of things away, but I think it's probably given us a few things as well. Um, and I don't, I don't want to fabricate those just to sound positive and look on the bright side, but I also don't want to miss a gift. Yeah. Hmm. You know, you were talking about uh, grief, and hmm. uh, I think we can. Uh, you and I and Kara had sort of noted uh, they're very popular, but Elizabeth Kubler Ross, uh, the researcher, mm. uh, her stages of grief. Uh, yeah. It goes by DABDA. I think is uh, the acronym: okay. denial, anger, bargaining, uh, depression, and acceptance. Mm-hmm. Those are kind of the stages, and they're not always linear. But I think it's it's it will be helpful uh, just if you're listening to kind of think about that. If, you know, denial. You hear a lot of denial, right? Where this is not that big a deal. Like mm-hmm. you know, a lot of more people die of the flu, and is this and that, and this is overblown, and and then anger. You know, as part of that, like I'm losing so many things. Like I've lost my job. I, I just want to do this, and then bargaining well maybe if we do this maybe this you know and then depression if you put these gloves on you wear this mask and you drink that uh essential oil you'll you'll be okay you take this pill that president Mm -hmm. trump for some reason keeps saying yeah uh, whatever yeah whatever yeah it's like oh my gosh and then comes after bargaining acceptance oh oh, depression depression, Mm -hmm. and then acceptance yeah and you can go through those but it's interesting to just kind of map your response and your where you are right now hmm. into those things because I think it puts what we're feeling on its right axis and that axis is grief. Hmm. And yep. and because we have lost a lot. And if you're listening, I, I want you to let that settle in. Brooke and I are, are having this conversation because we have all collectively lost a lot right now. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's not okay. But if we don't acknowledge that, then we'll, we're not okay either. We can we can be okay in the midst of a world that's not okay, but we don't get there by just saying everything's fine. Yeah, it's true. And maybe this is sounding funny, like I'm going to give somebody a tip, but maybe you're listening and you haven't considered that. And maybe it's even helpful to literally write a list yeah. of what you've lost um, and to grieve the loss of that to grieve grieve the fact that yeah you will never have experienced a normal spring in 2020 mm-hmm. like none of us will ever have experienced a normal spring and to grieve i mean and you can get really detailed you can uh the list of loss and then be able to grieve it and I think another thing that I found really helpful, this is a friend um, stealing this from her. She said, uh, you know, think of it like this. Our whole society is on the grief curve. And so me, where I think I'm still, I would rather say I'm in a different place, but I think I'm still in the sadness and depression part. Mm-hmm. Where I'm just really sad, David. Yeah. yeah. And I keep wanting to like jump over to acceptance, but if I'm honest with myself, I'm just not there yet. I think, and I probably haven't really experienced anger yet. (laughs) So I think I'm going to flip back down and jump to that 
next. But anyway, that we're all in a different place and that yeah. we need to feel um, love and compassion for each other. Yeah. Because, uh, for example, I had some cousins who were smack dab in the denial place for a while and they were just set on the steel doing their spring break trip uh, in this particular, going to this particular state. And I was so angry at them. Like, how could you think to still do that? And then when this friend mentioned this idea of, hey, wait, we're all in a different place on this grief curve, it was really helpful because then it allowed me to feel compassion. Like, okay, my cousins are, are in denial. Yeah. And that's a legitimate place to be right now. And how can I show them love and compassion and maybe help them along out of denial, perhaps, <laughs> but without judgment and frustration? Yeah. And I think the, the, the thing that we always teach and learn, if, we, if we're really honest about grief, is that the only way, if you ever want to reach acceptance, you have to go through it. Mm. If you try to go around, you'll get stuck. You know, if you're using denial to try to sort of like get out of your grief or you're using anger to get out of your grief mm. and not realizing the root that it is grief that you're going through yeah. and sort of realize like what's behind it, you'll get stuck there. Mm. Mm-hmm. And there's no synthetic. You can't take a helicopter over to the to acceptance. You can't oh, tunnel underneath it. <laughs> you have to go through. You have, have to go to through, go through. Whether, whether it's the loss yeah. of a loved one or... Uh, just just a bunch of micro losses that just mm. really in total leave you disorienting and, and make you feel sad mm. that your life is not recognizable and that you fundamentally lost control. Uh, you have to go through. You have to go through. And I'm not saying that's easy work, but I think we can probably come out of this. God forbid we come out exactly the same as mm. is, is when, is when this came. I mean, I, I hope we all financially recover, and I hope that our our relationships are intact. And but if culture is exactly the same as it was before, and we are all driven by the same things and mm. pursuing the same things and judging ourselves by the same things, that would be a profound loss for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. That's I don't know if that's a good way to kind of wrap up, Brooke. I don't. Is uh, no. there any thoughts that? are sort of percolating that are have not been said yet in our conversation. I'm just looking towards th- thinking about how do we sort of tie this together? I don't know if we can do it neatly. No, I just have more of an observation that I think during our conversation, I've noticed a lot of moments of just silence where we don't even quite have words, sort of pensiveness to it. And I think that's actually really appropriate that in this kind of, yeah, lamenting and grieving there is a lot of just sitting uh hopefully like us sitting with another person and just letting it be what it is yeah yeah i think we're running you know like a lot of our conversation even brooke and i and kara and our little small group met just two nights ago It's the other thing. Time does not pass the same way when you don't no. have all of your activities. Yeah. I don't always know what day it is. But I just, where it's a vibrant group. We love each other. But it was pretty subdued. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of silence and not anybody really wanting to take the lead. Uh, and it was notable, but it wasn't 
bad. No. Like I was like, boy, this is markedly different. Yeah. But it felt so comforting to just be there and not have to say anything. Because there's not much to say a lot of times. Um, yeah. yeah. I left feeling really grateful. I, oh, wow. I did, yeah. I did as well. I did as well. And I went in feeling really cynical and annoyed because I'm just already tired of Zoom <laughs> after just a month. <laughs> but I it was know. still really, really lovely. It, so. Uh, I do. I have like sort of a just visceral reaction to getting on Zoom now where I'm like, because I used it for work all the time prior to this. Mm. But after this, I don't think anybody's going to want to Zoom. <laughs> so, oh, uh, <sighs> well, if you're deep sigh, if you're out there listening, um, please do take some time to let yourself slow down and. You can count your blessings, but also count your losses. I think that it's just the thing to do during this time and, and really lament and go through and understand this has taken a lot from us, but the only way it's really going to give us anything is through the way of lament and it's going through grief. That's how it will give something back and that's how it will change us. It will soften us and make us you know, people who are, are probably just going to be more full of compassion and sort of more oriented towards quiet and non-performance and just a little more acceptance of, of mm. those around us and hopefully yeah. a little more self-acceptance as well and, and hopefully grace, just that we would extend grace to others because mm. um, we know we all need it uh, now more acutely than ever. It's just been, it's it's strange times we're living in, but... No, you're not alone. Brooke and I are here and Kara's upstairs <laughs> petting the dogs. Yep. So some things go on. Mm. Count yourself fortunate for those things. Mm. Brooke, thanks for being here. It's a pleasure. Thanks, David. Life's not a sequence program.